Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, it is mornings with Ian Smith. No, Ian Smith, of course, so because we have the second semi-final of the Cricket World Cup on today, and Smithy is on World Cup duty, so he will be in Christchurch for England versus South Africa. It gets underway around 2 o'clock this afternoon. It is a day-night of that one, and uh, uh, looking forward to hearing Smithy and the crew uh, make that call. Now, coming up on the show today, uh, well, we've got all sorts going on, actually. Uh, I'm really looking forward uh, to catching up with Monty Beetham after 11, because Warriors legend in his own right. He now does a show on Sky Sport called Once a Warrior, and last night he interviewed Simon Mannering, so we're going to talk to him about that, and also talk to him about the Warriors this season, and break down the Warriors Broncos. Might ask him a few other questions, too, around disciplinary issues, how does Nelson Asafa Solomona not get suspended, uh, whereas Mitch Barnett does? Uh, that is a, is a head scratch for me. We'll ask him about that. We'll ask him about Cameron George's idea as well, which I really like, about the Warriors playing all of their games in 2023 in New Zealand. So they play their home games at Mount Smart, and then, say, Canberra Raiders, they take their, their home game home, in inverted commas, to Hamilton and the Warriors play there. You know, maybe the West Tigers take a game to Wellington. We play there. Um, the Cronulla Sharks take a game to Whangarei. We play there. That Move it around. Move it around and, 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 the, and all of New Zealand gets to see the Warriors. Bro, where's the shout out to Huntley? Huntley has uh, produced a few rugby league legends yeah. in its time. Well, actually, given it was the Huntley Tigers, maybe the West Tigers should take the game to Huntley. Yeah, I like the sound of that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really all for this as well. I mean, and we talk about, you know, is this the year the Warriors 2023 regardless if this went through if this happened that is the year of the Warriors like mm. epic idea from Cameron George I uh, would love to get your thoughts uh, listeners on the temper bedpost text machine text, text us in at double eight double three do you want to see this happen where would you want to see the Warriors play because I when I went to university in Hamilton I saw them play uh, at the stadium, the FNG Stadium, of course it's called now. And that was great. And I loved that they did that kind of thing. They would play games in Wellington from time to time. And, of course, COVID kind of put an end to all of that. I would love to see other NRL teams play around the nation. Yeah, because Manly for a while uh, used Christchurch. I think they played two games in, a, in two years in Christchurch that were Manly home games. And I remember there was a preseason game against the Dogs as well at, in Dunedin at Forsyth Bar. Because, and I remember that. You know I remember that. Because that was when Ruben uh, Ruben Wiki uh, was running drinks, and he hit that streaker. There was that streaker running, and he just he just turned around, chased him, and smashed him. That was great. It was, it was one of my favourite Ruben Wiki memories. Uh, so yeah, that'll be great. So we're going to be talking to Monty about all of that after eleven o'clock. After ten o'clock, Jason Ryan. 
The Crusaders forward coach joins us as well. Uh, and uh, we're going to head to the States and catch up with Brian Schiaretta, who's a writer for American Soccer Now and the New York Times. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Costa Rica. What do we expect from Costa Rica? He will give us an insight because uh, the USA play them more regularly. In fact, they're playing them later today in the last round of qualifying uh, for the World Cup out of CONCACAF. Right now, though, former all-white Goalkeeper Jacob Spoonley joins us to talk. Of course, the All-Whites and that final of Oceania qualifying this morning, a 5-0 win for the All-Whites. Morning, Jacob. You there? Uh, So, yeah, apparently Jacob's nearly there. Nearly there. Uh, but uh, yeah, anyway, Jacob was part of the call team on Sky Sport this morning with Fred De Jong and Jason Pine. I tell you what, Jason Pine, boy, did he do the hard yards. I don't know if you heard this story, but he was in Wellington yesterday, due to fly to Auckland to be in the Sky Studio to call the game. And then because of the weather in Wellington being so Wellington, uh, the, all the flights were cancelled. Uh, so he jumped in a car and drove seven hours from Wellington to Auckland so that he could get up at stupid o'clock this morning uh, and go to Sky Sports Studios and call the game for us. And what a great call he did too. What a great call he did. Yeah, massive. It was a great call. So uh, looking forward to we'll catch up with where Jacob Spoonley is uh, is with us now. Um, Jacob, uh, well, the All-Whites got the job done. What did you make of the win? Well, I'm a little bit... Oh, sorry, boys. Ricardo. Um, because I also, I also did the hard yards. I had to come in from Milford. Um, so that's not been mentioned anywhere this morning. Uh, and Piney's, as per usual, stealing the headlines. So yeah. I'm feeling a little bit undervalued. Um, were there roadworks on Shakespeare Road? Did that make it hard to get there, to Penrose? There were road, there were road, the motorway was shut. I had to go through Newmarket. It was, it was arduous. Uh, oh, mate, thanks for taking the time out. I'm surprised you're not crashed out somewhere asleep at Sky Headquarters. <laughs> oh, mate, it's great. Absolutely buzzing off that result. Um, I think going into it, there's obviously a little bit of anxiety, not necessarily in the team, but just around the place. comes down to 90 minutes. It's dependent on referee, uh, how, how the boys go out there, the, the performance of the Solomon Islands, and they did have some really explosive talents. We nullified um, a lot of the threats from the Solomon Islands, and then the boys went out and put on probably the most assured 90 minutes of the qualification tournament. And we are now 90 minutes away from Qatar, and that's a pretty good feeling. Yeah, it's a very good feeling, mate. Um, uh, on that, I mean, it was, I mean, we won five nil, right? So we can't complain about the referee yeah. too much, I don't think. But we did have a non-Oceania. Well, I referee. thought he was good, Ricardo. You did? I thought he was good, mate. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, th- I, th- I thought there were a couple of, I mean, you know, goalkeepers are an overprotected species. I don't know how um, Nando's goal didn't count because Logan Rogers and all he did was jump with the keeper. He never even touched him. So I don't know how that gets ruled out. And I mean, how many times uh, did Alex Grieve get put into the stands and uh, Solomon's players not get carded? That was true. And I think what we were concerned about is in... Um as a, as a referee that was going to grab attention by potentially producing a red card um, in an excited fashion or uh, one that would miss the large tackle. And I appreciate there were some things that probably could have been uh, improved on. And I think we made that point in the commentary box that Logan did nothing more than challenge for the ball. Uh, so it was unfortunate that Nando couldn't get his first goal to make it 6-0 for the All-Whites. We appreciate the point. Um, I think uh, managed the game really well inside the first 15 minutes to take a lot of the... Uh, 
the energy in terms of the, the worst of the tackle out of the game. Yeah, all right. Well, I mean, I know Danny was uh, pretty vocal on the sideline with the uh, the assistant. I tell you, that guy will have tinnitus um, tonight. Um, after after having a stand there, but uh, uh, he obviously wasn't too happy. But I mean, you've got to be happy with the result five nil. I've got to say, at the beginning of qualifying, um, you know, I looked at the group that New Zealand had, and I thought, well, Fiji could be a danger. They've got some players playing at a reasonable level. They've got, of course, Roy Christian is always going to be a danger. Um, and then New Caledonia, you know, they've got some guys who play uh, in like the third tier of French football, things like that. Uh, but I, th- I thought that Papua New Guinea would pre- be the gimme of the group, but it turned out to be the toughest game. I mean, I think what we have seen from this is that uh, football mm. in Oceania is getting, the level is getting higher and those teams that used to be quite open because they just played football like you'd play park football are now playing structured football and they know how to they know how to set themselves up to make life difficult for teams. Yeah, and I, I would agree. I think as a whole Oceania is definitely lifting its game. There's a lot more investment going in off the field into facilities, into coaches into um, structures around the game. So we're starting to see that natural talent that we've been aware of for so long in Oceania be supported, and that's fantastic. In terms of what we saw on the pitch today, I think there's some really exciting talent in that Solomon Islands team. We're familiar with the likes of Nicolia Alifa, who was the captain for the Solomon Islands. He's played for Auckland City, was over in Maritzburg with Dan Morgan um, uh, in South Africa. Uh, so he's a guy that's played at a decent professional level and you could see his touches at times today were fantastic but the absolute diamonds in the rough if you can even call them that is uh, Raphael Leia um, uh, sorry, Le- Leai sorry but I could pronounce that properly um, he's an 18 year old kid coming off that right wing he caused uh, a couple of headaches for Francis de Vries and Nando Pinnica but they managed him and mastered him fairly well but in the other games of the tournament he's been such a bright spark he's connected with the Wellington Phoenix Academy so I hope that they hang on to him and get him um, get him involved in developing him so he's ready to go into the first year because he is probably the next one off the next cab off the ranks after Roy Christian and Benji Dettori in terms of an Oceania player that we could see in the A League. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to seeing how he develops and whether or not the Phoenix do grab him, mate. Um, now, from a, a, an all whites point of view, Danny, of course, uh, in this game, uh, Danny Hay, the coach, made the call not to start Winston Reid or Liberato Cacace because of yellow card trouble. Basically, if they'd got a yellow in this game, they would be suspended for the game against uh, Costa Rica. Um, I mean, at the time, I guess it, it's a tough call to make, but in the end of the day, the right one. Yeah, I think so. Um, and it speaks to the confidence that Danny's got in the wider pool of players. Yes, he's got the squad that uh, in there, and he's got to pick a, an 11 from them. Um, and he did so in a way in which kind of uh, protected uh, Winston and Libby, um, albeit meaning that they didn't play. But that trust that he has um, and the trust that the players have in each other uh, was on show with that decision. So they were looking longer term... They expect this group to perform and they expect to be in that conversation for Qatar in June. Now, we, <laughs> it's obvious that um, when you're going to control this, those sorts of things, there's an anxiety that comes with it from those in the media and I suppose a lot of football fans. We want to see our best players playing on the most important games. But Danny managed things really well and demonstrated that this is a generation that has in a really exciting depth. There's variety in there. And there's also the levels of trust. Uh, so he expects the players that he puts out on the field to go and do the job for any given 90 minutes.
Yeah, and we've seen obviously that de- that depth has been well and truly tested, and he's you know going to need it because uh, we've got a, a a pretty tough opponent in uh, Costa Rica. Uh, they recently beat Canada, who up to that point were unbeaten in Concacaf qualifying and have won Concacaf qualifying. Uh, these guys. Not to be taken lightly. Uh, they might not have uh, the big star names of you know if we had had to play a Peru or, or, or someone, but I mean that Concacaf region is a, is, a, is a tough region to get out of. And you look at some of the names they do have: Joel Campbell, the ex-Arsenal player; Kayla Navis, the keeper at PSG; and you know Brian Oviedo and, and Brian Ruiz, who have both played in the Premier League for Everton and Fulham. Yeah, um, I think there's a. Kind of like a similarity between that and our 2010 All Whites, and that they're a pretty grizzled uh, lot of professional footballers. So they've been in and around the game for a while. They've all been connected or at least played at a decent level, and that's uh, a new challenge that this All Whites team's going to have to overcome. Uh, they are a little bit unpredictable in terms of the way they attack. Obviously, Joel Campbell, such an explosive talent um, with Arsenal back in the day, um, they do have a fluidity going forward. Uh, but the important point is that they are rather predictable at the back. They go with the back four, I believe. Um, it is really structured. And so that'll be, allow Danny some time to get his head around the way in which he wants to attack this Costa Rican side. Now, we got into it a little bit on the broadcast. And I am in favour of the 3-4-3. I think it suits the, the dynamic players that we do have. And it allows for a balance between the dynamicism and the creativity. Um, but Danny can actually keep the Costa, Rican, Costa Ricans guessing. And... I don't think it was the main point during this tournament, but it's definitely a byproduct of it, that if you look at any of our games, Danny has changed the tactics every time, and he's used different players for different effects. He put a lot of trust in Alex Greaves and Logan Rogerson this morning, but that was to provide the team with energy uh, off the back of playing the semi-final, but also to provide the team with energy attacking-wise. They're very willing runners in behind, and he wanted to stretch the Solomon Islands. He also wanted to counter-press to put them under pressure, to not let them get the ball into the likes of Mikelia Alafa, uh, Jose Nawo, uh, and uh, Rafael Leia. So that gives an indication of the trust that we talked about, um, but also the fact that there's a real practical and pragmatism about the way in which he sets up his team and the variety to keep an opposition guessing about what he's going to do. If he goes to a three four three, that would that would suggest to me that Tim Payne doesn't play because um, he's definitely more of a fullback than a wingback. So who do you see in a three four three playing on the right side? Well, I think Payne can play as a wingback. He's got the engine for it, Ricardo. I know what you're saying in terms of he's more probably playing at the moment for club like he's either a fullback, a traditional fullback, or a centre back. So the other natural position that you could put him as is the right centre back in front of the back three. Mm-hmm. So. But Bill Sullivan did a fantastic job this morning. And the other point is that Nando Pinnaka did well down the left, particularly with the ball. They not only combined quite nicely underneath at times, albeit that New Zealand didn't always unlock the Solomon Islands through the middle, but then they got that ball wide. And I actually think we looked rather threatening. Um, the end product needs to probably come out a bit more regularly, but we looked really threatening down the wings. And that was one of the things that um, I really did enjoy this morning. Well, something else that uh, Danny needs to consider, we've talked about depth, of course, and, and options. Um, this squad has gone through uh, this qualifying campaign without Ryan Thomas or Marco Rojas. Uh, where do you see them sitting? I mean, uh, uh, is it going to be open doors? Are they going to be welcomed back? Uh, or given that they have put club career before country, Danny will stick with the guys that have, uh, that have made the sacrifices? 
add to that Sarpreet Singh and Michael Boxall. And mm. look, the conversations around um, players being released for this tournament were difficult because you had the out-of-tournament component and the in-tournament component. And you're always going to have a decent chunk of players for that in-tournament component. So it wasn't necessarily a case of the players themselves not being available um, for the in for the in-window uh, chunk of the tournament. It was that Danny probably had a lot more options for that in-tournament. He was also thinking about how that interacted with the out-of-tournament part. So there was a lot of thinking that went on behind closed doors in that regard. I don't think it's just a case of the players not making themselves available. Um, I believe that a lot of the largest chunk of players wanted to be there. They wanted to be involved, and they did everything they possibly could um, to get involved in some form. Uh, so what we really need to think, what Danny's going to have to think about, it's going to be an absolute headache for him, is who he goes with. In terms of the players that have been involved in this tournament, but also to your point, Ricardo, do you go with somebody that um, hasn't been involved in this tournament? And in Ryan Thomas's case and Marco Rojas's case, they haven't been involved because of injury and other factors for this preparation period over 2001 and 2000, uh, 2021 and 2022. Jesus Christ, I just subjected 20 years, Ricardo. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's a question that he's going to have to answer. Um, do, do I, have they done enough in their club environments for me to bring them in ahead of another player? I don't have an answer for that, and that's really why Danny's got the big bucks and is the all-whites coach. He's going to have to make those decisions. Yeah, he's got some big decisions to make, all right, Jacob. Uh, we are looking forward to seeing uh, what he does. And, I mean, I know Sarpreet's uh, had groin injuries, and, and so that's ruled him out, but he has played some of this. Ryan Thomas has been gone for a lot longer. Marco Rojas, as far as I'm aware, is, is fit, though, so I wasn't sure about that one. That was a bit of a head-scratcher because uh, he seemed like the perfect, uh, you know, you swap him and Sarpreet in and out, and, and away you go. Uh, before we do let you mm-hmm. go, though, we should uh, talk Phoenix last night, 3-0 win against the Brisbane Roar. Um, you, you, when you say you've won 3-0 you think oh yeah okay man of the match is going to be a striker or a midfielder but man Ollie Sale uh, the the guy so many savings through Ollie Sale that Briscoes are probably going to try and sign him in the off season you'd have to think <laughs> oh, how long have you had that in your back pocket for? Oh, I, I came up with it last night watching the game good good <laughs> <laughs> um, Ollie Sale the man of the match last night and more to that point I think I've given him man of the match five or six times over the course of this season and that adds up to a fairly significant chunk I think it's over a third of the games that they've played because they've played they've got a lot of catch-up games to go so that gives you an indication as to the form that he's in at the moment I had the chance to see Ollie up in Qatar and he is looking so confident he's so balanced in a lot of the techniques that he's got he waits on the ball. There's no snatching involved with him. When he makes a decision to come off his line, it's so assured. He is really um, <clears throat> putting the question to Danny about the number one and challenging mm-hmm. Steph Amarinovich, who's held that position for a while now. So Ollie is somebody that if he keeps his performances up, he's contracted to the Phoenix next year, but there might be every, um, every inkling that people will be looking at him and being very interested in what he's doing because the A-League has established itself as a bit of a breeding ground for goalkeepers. We see Danny Vukovic, Lawrence Thomas, they've gone overseas. Um, and then players have come back to the A-League as well, and the likes of um, Nathan Coe, Jess Van Stratton, who played at such a high level overseas. So um, I'm sure that there, there will be people monitoring Ollie, and it'll be very exciting for him to be involved, not only in the all-whites, but also in discussions around potentially his club football. Yeah, it's interesting, mate. Uh, just before I let you go, personally... 
if uh, the Costa Rica game was tomorrow, Ollie would be my number one. Who would who would you be putting in? It's real. It's tight. It's very very tight. Um, Stefan's doing well over in Israel. He's in a very challenging club environment. He's got that maturity, that experience. He's played an intercontinental playoff game before in that sort of pressure cooker. The ninety minutes to get you to um, a World Cup. Ollie um, is bringing wonderful form in. To be honest. I wouldn't want to make a decision. Um, and uh, Jonathan Gould and Danny Hay are going to be the ones that, again, are going to have to put their heads together. And Ricardo, to completely dodge the question, this is going to be the conversation that happens, not only with the squad, but I think with every single player. In terms of players that are nailed on, I think you've got Chris Wood and Winston Reid. Uh, Joe Bell probably comes into that conversation. And then from there, uh, it's going to be a decision about what, fits the team most appropriately and what they're trying to uh, execute against Costa Rica. Yeah, all right. I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays. It's kind of got a feeling of, uh, you know, a Richard Wilson, Frank Van Haddam from 82 kind of feeling about uh, Salem Marinovic. I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out. But, uh, hey, Jacob, thanks for your time today, mate. I know uh, you've had a big day already, but uh, I really appreciate it. Go well and uh, talk football again with you soon, eh? Yeah, no problem, mate. Just make sure when you're talking about Piney and Future, just something that Jacob Sterling also had to come across from the North Shore and, uh, you know, his coffee was cold by the time he got there. So, uh, you know, I think they're both equal, Ricardo. I think they're both equal. <laughs> uh, they, they quite possibly could be. Quite possibly could be. And that's, not, and that's without talking about Fred Young having to get off his fishing boat uh, to get in there as well. But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Go well, Spoons. Love your work, brother. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers, mate. No, 9.23 here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Smithy at the cricket, of course, in Christchurch, the semi-final between England and South Africa that gets underway at 2 o'clock this afternoon. It is 9.23. On SENZ. Yeah, it's 9.28 here on Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for Smithy at the moment. And uh, had a few texts through on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Temper and Bedpost like no other. Uh, on the Warriors and Cameron George's idea. This is from Liam. He says, a great idea by Cameron George, but I can't see it happening when the NRL hates the Warriors and will do them no favours. That's, uh, that's Liam's take on it. Of course, Cameron George floating the idea that next year all the Warriors games be in New Zealand. Uh, so the Warriors play their home games at Mount Smart and all the other clubs bring their home games to different parts of New Zealand, which is an idea I quite like. Uh, also, Martin has texted in saying, interesting comment regarding Wellington weather being so Wellington. Flights were cancelled yesterday due to fog, which meant no wind. So you're saying that Wellington lacks wind. Well, it's not often that Wellington lacks wind. I'll give you that, Martin. I'll give you that. It's a fair point. Fair point. But that, uh, that, that looked pretty miserable yesterday, didn't it, Logan? Yeah, hey, at least we got cricket happening there. And yep. Australia got through. Unf- got through. Got through, yeah. Breezed I mean, <laughs> sorry, West Indies. Yeah. Uh, that was not the matchup you wanted, that's for sure. Uh, all I'm going to say for now on the Warriors side of things is, look, Peter Volandes, mm. you're seen as a hero in Sydney. I know they love you over there. We would love you just as much over here if you did us a solid, did the Warriors a solid, did the rugby league community in New Zealand a solid, and just do this. Just do it. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. It's a great idea from Cameron George. So we'll see. Uh, Monty Beatham's going to join us after 11. We'll get his take on it as well. Between now and 10 o'clock, uh, we're going to talk uh, some more football because. Um, Brian Scuriata, uh, who's a, a writer from the US, writes for the New York Times and American Soccer Now as well, is going to join us and uh, tell us what we can expect from the Costa Ricans, which is who the All Whites have to play to get to Qatar 2022. Right now it's time for News and Sport with Araha Hathaway. CNZ.
Bell looking to deliver. Delivery is good, and in she goes for New Zealand, and Bill Tuiloma is the man at the back stick. We talked about set piece being a possible area of strength for New Zealand. Pinpoint delivery from Joe Bell. Bill Tuiloma rises at the fast stick, nods home his third goal for New Zealand, and puts them into a 1-0 lead. Now Smith's ball out towards Tim Payne. Good from Payne. How's the delivery from the Phoenix fullback? Chris Wood! It's two for New Zealand. Beautifully constructed move. Now Staminich. He'll go back out to Tim Payne, who'd stayed forward. Promising move from New Zealand into the area. And Wood, what a save by Mango. What a save by Philip Mango. It has, though, resulted in another corner, which has been a bit of an Achilles heel for the Solomon Islands. Can they defend this one? Bell delivers Mungo. It's over the top and off the top of his hands and in. That'll be a goal to Joe Bell. To again look to curl this one in with Venom. A bit more elevation on that one, but the header comes in from Tui Loma. It's a second goal from a corner for Bill Tui Loma. The dancer's back. What a night he's had in Doha. And New Zealand won't have this one chalked off. They are four clear here and headed for the Intercontinental Playoff. Yeah, ended up 5-0, of course, and there could have been more as well as uh, the All Whites got it done against the Solomon Islands in Doha and now advance to that Intercontinental Playoff game against Costa Rica, who have uh, finished fourth in the CONCACAF qualifying. Well, they do have a game today against uh, the USA, actually, and, uh, and on that, we're going to talk about Costa Rica and what New Zealand can expect. Uh, welcome into the show, Brian Sharetta, uh, who is an American writer, writes for American Soccer Now and New York Times as well. Uh, g'day, Brian. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, anytime. Thank you very much for having me on. Yeah. Uh, now, of course, uh, you'll be far more um, uh, familiar with the Costa Ricans than we will here. I mean, we know a few names. You know, Kayla Navis, of course, um, Joel Campbell, uh, Brian Elviedo and Brian Ruiz have all played uh, in the Premier League. Uh, but the, the rest of the squad and, and the style, I guess, of play of the Costa Ricans is a bit of a mystery to a lot of Kiwi football fans. Uh, what can you tell us? What can the All Whites expect? Well, you know, I think they are a very veteran team. Like this, they, A lot of them all have caps together. There, a lot of them go back to the um, to their run eight years ago when they went when they went in, when they advanced to the um, I believe it was the quarterfinals of the World Cup. A lot of those guys are still on the team, so it's an older team. Uh, an interesting tidbit for them is they have another World Cup qualifier today against the United States in a couple hours. It's still not guaranteed that. The, I mean, technically, if they beat the U.S. six to nothing, they would they would advance. Um, the U.S. would end up playing in the playoff. Um, but uh, the question, though, is they have nine starting players or typical starter players with yellow cards. Um, so if any of them get a yellow card tonight, if they play any of them, which I, I don't know what they will do, um, it could uh, it would lead to a suspension to, in the intercontinental playoff because that bad carries over. But um, but assuming you place the, you face their first team, you're gonna you're going to face one of the better defensive teams in CONCACAF. Like, they really know how to shut things down and uh, make the most of their limited opportunities. But they're very smart because, like I said, they're, they're, they're an older team. In terms of uh, what quality they have outside of the players I mentioned at the top, I was going through this squad. A lot of them play, um, maybe not as many in the MLS as I thought, but a lot of them play in the Costa Rican League. I, obviously, you'll know that reasonably well with the CONCACAF Champions League. How strong is that Costa Rican League versus, say, the MLS? 
I mean, it's pretty far behind. I think a lot of them would love to, you know, a lot of them get the, you know, want the jump um, to the United to the United States when they can, and and some of them, you know, have spent time in MLS, and then you know, like like Kendall Watson um, is one of their best defenders. Um, you know, he was here for a long time in the United States, and even in the Canadian team, so in, in MLS, and uh, before making his way back. So, so some of these guys, because they've been around so long. Um, you know, they have experience in the top leagues, even if they're no longer there. But, yeah, I mean, another thing you have to realize is um, the, the, most of their players come from two different teams. Al- Al- I think we've lost. For, like maybe the lesser, maybe they make up for like the lesser quality of the league with being very, very familiar with each other because that's where like only two of the, you know, the vast majority of their players from their league come from two different teams. So, I mean, in, in the CONCACAF qualifying, um, obviously we're used to seeing Mexico and the US at the top. Uh, this time around it's been a bit different mm-hmm. because the Canadians have, have gone on a great run. Uh, but in terms of mm-hmm. how the US match up against Costa Rica, what do you expect today? I mean, I know that it's a little bit up in the air in terms of what we, uh, who they might select given the yellow card, potential yellow card trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, yeah. do, do they give the US a game every time round. I mean, is it, it is is it always a question mark? It's never a lay down that the US are going to get the win. Well, you, the US usually wins at, um, when the game's played in the United States, and the US has never won a game in San Jose um, ever in its history. They're trying to reverse that tonight. So Costa Rica is very very good at home, um, and Costa Rica's you know it's tough. I mean, like they to to analyze them because. This is what they consider. The, most of the media considers what they're going through right now the twilight of a golden generation. You know, they're struggling at the youth levels, youth national team levels beyond this. So I don't know if they know if they're going to replace this current generation um, very well. But they're trying to get one last uh, good cycle out of this generation. So you know, it's um, you know, it, it's unfortunate that, that that they're not replenishing it with strong young players. But that's pretty much the status is. is that they're an older but wiser team, and they're still very formidable, and I think they'll still give the U.S. a tough time even when playing at home, although I don't think they'll be able to overcome a, 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 the goal differential advantage. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to be interesting to, sit, to watch that game today and see how it plays out. Uh, what about the fact that this is a one-off game and not home and away? New Zealand don't have to go to Costa Rica. I mean, how hostile an atmosphere is it if you're playing away in Costa Rica? All these CONCACAF teams, um, Central American teams, and even into the Caribbean, are very, very difficult places to play. Um, you can go to Mexico and play 6,000 feet um, above uh, above sea level, um, where air becomes very tough to breathe. And then you can go right down into the jungle, where it's where, where it becomes very humid, very sweaty, um, very, very hot. I mean, and, and on top of it, you just get these stands that are just literally right over the field, and it's very, very... Um, very, very tough. The conditions can be brutal. The fields are uneven and sometimes very questionably kept. Um, the environment in CONCACAF is just very, very difficult. So the fact that you, that, that um, New Zealand wouldn't have to go to San Jose or, or Central America is a huge boost to it, no doubt about it. Yeah, uh, of course. I mean, it, it, it's something we saw just the other day, you know, with uh, Egypt against mm-hmm. Senegal and the, and, and the laser pens and all that sort of thing. Uh, it, does, yeah. it does feel like this plays into New Zealand's... It, it's more beneficial for New Zealand for this to be a one-off right. on a neutral territory than it is for Costa Rica. Yeah, I mean, look at the U.S. The U.S. has a good team right now. Um, a lot of good players, a lot of players in the Champions League, you know, a, 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 uh, vastly improving domestically here in MLS, and they struggle to go to Central America. They still do all these years later. Um, it's not a friendly place to go. 
um, you know, as evidenced by the, you know, with their records, um, in some of these, in some of these places, uh, they lost at Panama, um, you know, in this cycle and they turned around and beat them over the weekend five to one when the game was in Orlando, Florida. So it's, it, it, the, the results swing wildly when you're home and away in Central America. So I like New Zealand's chances. Um, I really do. I, I think that they could, they, they could do well. Um, they just have to be, be, be quick on the ball and try to, um, exploit um you know costa rica's uh age if you want for, better, for for lack of a better word but you know they are they are a wise team they are smart they don't make many mistakes defensively that's what they you know they only can you know they've only scored 11 goals in 13 games in qualifying but they give up very very little it's going to be interesting between now and june as to uh what these teams can do i mean what do you expect costa rica mm-hmm. to do in terms of trying to prepare for the all whites and vice versa i mean who could the all whites potentially play a friendly against to 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 get um, ready for the Costa Ricans. Yeah, it's tough because there's not many um, international windows, are there? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when the net, when the leagues take a break, I think uh, what New Zealand probably will end up doing is is maybe trying to schedule a European team as soon as their season ends. Um, that would probably be the best bet, and then you can maybe see what's available in the um, you know within the Concacaf region to try to um, you know replicate that a little bit, you know, replicate the the style a little bit because it's very rough, it's very physical, but I don't think it's anything New Zealand's going to be uh, phased by. No, um, and uh, you know, again, I, I think um, there will be teams out there, uh, maybe not strong, strong opponents, but there will be teams out there that they can play possibly in May, um, early June, um, that are looking for a game, and um, I think they can prepare themselves well. Um, and both Costa Rica is going to be doing the same. And again, Costa Rica's players, you know, largely play between two different teams domestically. So the, the familiarity will be there for Costa Rica. Um, that is an advantage that they have on the, on the flip side. Yeah. And Brian, just uh, before I let you go, from, a, from your point of view, uh, looking at this New Zealand team, uh, how much profile does it have in CONCACAF? Uh, obviously, we've got Libby Kikache playing in Serie A. We've got um, Chris Wood playing in the, in the Premier League and a few players playing in, in, in European leagues around the place as well. What, what sort of, what, what's the take from CONCACAF on how strong New Zealand are? Uh, it's a little um, uh, you know, uncertain. Uh, there was a period there where they weren't playing many games. I covered um, pretty firsthand uh, when Tyler Boyd was playing for New Zealand and switched to the United States, um, you know, and speaking with him, and I know that, you know, I think New Zealand lost him because they weren't playing games and the U.S. was playing games. So there was a big opportunity for him to switch. Um, but then they have some players here in MLS. Bill Toyoma is just one of them, too, that, 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 um, that, that you know, I think everyone kind of um, doesn't know too much about them, but I think that most people think that they're still going to be a tough out regardless. Um, you know, I think it's uh, unfortunately not playing in the World Cup the, doesn't really, you know, it hurts your hurts profiles um, globally. Uh, but I, I certainly think it's um, no one would be surprised if New Zealand pulls off the upset just by um, basically the limited players that they see in Europe or here in MLS. Yeah, good stuff, Brian. Hey, listen, really appreciate your time coming on today and giving us your thoughts. Uh, look forward to that game, and uh, hopefully we can talk again ahead of uh, Qatar 2022. Eh? Anytime, anytime. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Yeah, thanks very much, Brian Shredder there, American Soccer Now. He writes for also the New York Times, a football writer out of the U.S. It is uh, quarter to ten here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's Harness Racing New Zealand, pacing for purpose, season two.
Yeah, the uh, Harness Racing New Zealand pacing for purpose. Now, this week's Harness Racing pick to raise funds for uh, the Women's Refuge comes tomorrow from Alexandra Park. Um, the race that we're looking at is race four, and we're looking at a, a Zachary Butcher-driven uh, ride trained by Mark Purden and Phelan as well. Zupa Dupa Luca, um, that is race four. That's uh, where we're backing. Uh, we're not right. Uh, has gone all right previously. It did break last start, but it is better than that, so we're going to back that each way. Uh, currently, we've raised $178 for that charity so far, so hopefully we can add to that total. Uh, make sure if you're, a, if you're a big harness racing fan, uh, you join Mick and Greg every Sunday from midday for coverage of all the harness racing action from across New Zealand. It's Sundays at 12 to 1, Trots Talk. All thanks to the great New Zealanders at Harness Racing New Zealand. Of course, every show across uh, SENZ will have a different pick as well. So uh, you can jump on them as well and hopefully uh, pad out your TAB account. It is uh, 10 away from 10 here on SENZ. On SENZ. It's four away from ten here on SENZ. Ricardo Ball in for Smithy. Uh, you can get your text coming through on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Uh, Temper and Bedpost like no other. It's a range of mattresses and adjustable bases that adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. And we've had one through uh, from Dave. Uh, cheers, Dave. It says, morning, Ricardo. A game in Palmy would be awesome. Now, this is off the back, of course, of Cameron George suggesting that given the Warriors have given up so much time and being based in Australia, that next year, that all the Aussie teams come here to play us. So the, the Warriors play their home games at Mount Smart, but say the Tigers would play us in Hamilton, uh, the Seagulls would play us in Christchurch, the Raiders would play us in Dunedin, that sort of thing. I love the idea. Dave also says, get Logan to get Volandis on the phone. Now, Logan, of course, uh, is our producer here, spent a lot of time working in Australian media, so he's he's got contacts up the wazoo. Uh, Logan, um, Peter Volandis, can, can you make that happen? I just got to say, I mean, I feel lucky that I didn't come away from my time in Australia with the accent. <laughs> because... That is the curse. I mean, you, you listen to, say, Fox Sports NRL, right? Mm. You hear those accents. I would hear that every day in the office, mm. that real sporty Aussie twang. So I'm really glad that I did not come back home with that. Um, yeah, sure. Peter Volandis. Yeah, we're boys. Yeah, um, good. I'll, I'll, I'll try my best. <laughs> okay. I'll try my best. All right. I like it. I like it. I think we should definitely uh, uh, look at that. But yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, as, a, as a concept from Cameron George, whether or not the other clubs will like it, I think the NRL might quite like it as an idea. But whether the other clubs will like it is another question. So then the question becomes, do these away games for the clubs become the club's problem, I guess you would say, in terms of finding a, a, a location in New Zealand where they can play these games? Uh, because you, you've got to have a certain set of stadia, right? So the stadia's got to be right, there, which would mean that you could play it at Dunedin, you could probably play at Christchurch, you could definitely play in Wellington, you could play in Hamilton, maybe Tauranga? Maybe Whangarei, but then that's six venues. You've got 15 teams. So what sort of appetite, you know, playing one game in a different city in New Zealand once a year, you'll guarantee a crowd, I think. But if you have to play multiple times in certain cities, if you'll say the Tigers and your, your home game against the Warriors is round 26, mm. and, you know, do you want to put all your eggs in that basket? Yeah, well, what about, I mean, when you look at the way Super Rugby uh, started off this year, 
And, and we and we had Queenstown. Dave's just texted saying thanks, Logan. <laughs> You're welcome, Dave. Anything for you, bro. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I really like the way we when Super Rugby Pacific, uh, Pacific started up and we had the games in Queenstown. Mm. The epic backdrop there with the Remarkables and it would be awesome, man. I mean, I know Queenstown, I, I know a lot of ice hockey players go there and love it. The Aussies would do the same thing. Aussies love to go over there and ski. They may not return. It could be to an advantage to the Warriors. Yeah, it could be. It could be. So your thoughts on that? Double eight, double three. Napier is another one uh, that has been suggested. Actually, Rotorua, Rotorua International Stadium would probably be. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe this this has uh, has has merit. It's just whether or not the Aussie clubs will be prepared to take uh, their, a home game to New Zealand. I mean, and the Melbourne Storm, I know, have done it before. I think they've they've played. Uh, we've played at McLean Park, I think, before uh, against the Melbourne Storm in preseason games. Um, so. That uh, that that might be worth might be worth a look. I mean, and the thing is that those games become those teams where it's a storm or whoever's uh, games becomes their home game, right? It's still their home game. It's just not at their home. Um, so um, that we just had one text in here, Ricardo. We just bang on. I don't know if you just heard what I said. This is perfect timing. How about the Warriors play at Mount Smart and the other clubs bring their away games to Queenstown? That would not be a hard sell. They love that place. Yeah. I 100% back that. Yeah, well, that is good. But they, is there a stadium that matters up, that, that is at the right level for TV rights, for Fox, for, for, those, for, for the NRL, for the squads? Do they have the facilities? I'm pretty sure Vossy would enjoy his time there. He'll be happy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Voss, all you need to do to keep Voss happy is make sure that Fritz's wieners are there. That's all you need. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's three past ten here on SENZ. Uh, Smithy, of course, is on World Cup duty. I understand he's uh, fog-bound in Wellington at the moment, um, so he might not be part of the commentary team in Christchurch for the second semi-final of the World Cup between England and South Africa that gets underway at uh, two o'clock. Um, but coming up later on this hour, the Dilmar Expertise Panel, James Regan from New Hub, News Hub and Mark Hinton from Stuff.co.nz are going to join us right now, though. Uh, our pleasure to talk uh, to Jason Ryan, the Crusaders' Fords coach. G'day. Jason, how you doing? Yeah, morning, Ricardo. Good, thanks. It's, Good to be on. Yeah, mate, mate, thanks for making some time for us. No chance of fog in Christchurch, is there? <laughs> this is pretty lousy today, to be honest. We're just about to uh, start our captain's run. She's been nice all week, but... Uh yeah, it's pretty average today, but I think it's supposed to clear tomorrow. Yeah, well, that'll be good, mate. That'll be good. That's what we want to see. Uh, hopefully that doesn't affect the cricket too much that's, uh, that's in your neck of the woods today as well. Um, what's the feeling around the camp after after the weekend, mate? I, I know you guys would have been hurting dropping that game at home to the Chiefs a couple of weeks ago, so uh, feel feel good to go go to their backyard and knock them over there? Yeah, but, yeah we were, uh, there's lots of parts of that game, Ricardo, that we were uh, really proud of, actually. Um, we... Yeah, it was sort of a must-win for us too. To be fair, you know, like um, two in a row on the bounce wouldn't have been wouldn't have been that flash. So we were, um, yeah, we we're pretty pretty wrapped with some of the performances individually, and also um, some team performance in some key areas of our game that we've been working on. Um, particularly, obviously, the breakdown that went really well for us. So um, yeah, we, we acknowledge that, but you know, you you've got to quickly go back to zero as uh, quick as you can and focus on the. Um, the week at hand, which we've done. Yeah, well, you have done. I mean, this, uh, unfortunately, uh, there's been a, a few casualties as well, um, which we we should get onto because um, you never like to talk about it. But we, you know, you need to um, 
think about you know doing without guys like Brody and McAllister is going to be out for you know four to six weeks. Mitch Dunshay's gone for the season. Sam Whitelock, uh, a big miss as well with a broken finger for about uh, for a few weeks as well. Um, how's how's that shaking things up for you guys? Yeah, it does shake it up and it tests your depth. But you know we, that, that's where your contracting and your your whole depth of squad becomes important when you're having those conversations in November. You know, heading into pre-season and when you name your squad, so guys get opportunities. Really gutted for Brody. I think he's been on exceptional form. Just a real nasty, um, unlucky injury, just blowing his calf in the warm-up quite badly, uh, which was unfortunate. Mitch Dunshay, his knee injury is really nasty. To be fair. Um, yeah, he's going to have a long period and a, a really tough rehab in front of him for the next good 12 months, which is unfortunate. Sammy's only sort of a couple of weeks away. He's not as bad, which will be good. Um, but, yeah, you, you've got to trust everyone and you get them in. And, you know, we train with intensity every week. And, guys, uh, the expectation is that they're next man in and they're ready. So we'll look forward to those guys that get those opportunities tomorrow night. Yeah, well, we look look for. I mean, you know, it, it seems to be a bit of a lock factory uh, Canterbury made at the moment, and, and, and is another one that we can look at. And Zach Gallagher that uh, is going to become Crusader two sixty three this weekend. He's, he's he's named on the bench. Uh, what can you tell us about Zach? Oh, mate, he's uh, yeah. We're pretty excited about Zach. To be fair, he was pretty close to getting an opportunity um, a week or t- week or two ago. To be fair, but um, he never did look. Out of Christ College, um, unbelievable uh, build, probably about the same build and frame and physique as Scott Barrett. Mm-hmm. So, um, we're, we're, you know, he's he's going to come into the frame and um, he's going to put some real pressure on too and obviously he gets his opportunity through, through injury. But, um, you know, I remember being in those discussions um, with his family and, you know, a good three or four years ago around, you know, where we saw him. So... He gets his opportunity, and he's a young man um, with a huge talent, amazing roller at school, so he's got phenomenal uh, work rate and engine, so we're looking forward to seeing him, mate. Jeez, I've given him a real rap there, haven't I? <laughs> you have, mate, you have. Uh, he, he's, <laughs> he'll, be, he'll be in the All Blacks by the end of the season based off this rap, Jason. It's great. Yeah, no, no, no. He just got to play well for us, mate. Which he will, I'm sure. Yeah, he will, mate. I, I, I mean, in terms, of, you said he's, he's built like Scotty Barrett, uh, which suggests you know he's a big engine, um, which you've, you've also mentioned. I mean, we tend seem to kind of have sort of two sort of style of locks. You, you know, you have your, your Brody, Retallick, Sam Whitelock, you know, just absolute beast, and you have your uh, slightly more athletic guys. You know, we're seeing guys like Tupavai, for example, who can switch between blindside and, and lock. That's something Scott Barrett's obviously done earlier in his career. Where where do you sort of sit him between those two camps? Yeah, I'd say he's a bit of a hybrid. I'd say he's probably a little bit of a mix of everything, probably definitely the Scott Barrett um side of things I think as far as dynamicness around the gra- uh, around the field, contact area especially and his ball carry is pretty uh, yeah, pretty special so that's where I'd put him in the in the mix there Ricardo. Yeah nice, now Cody obviously mate I think he deserves massive reps um, last week against the Chiefs playing that full 80 is a, that doesn't happen very often for a front rower these days, uh, he did it, he's an absolute beast he's, he's been such a great leader for you guys this season, I mean the impact he made off the bench when you needed him for the bonus point against Moana as well, he, he just continues to stand up, uh, you mentioned what a lost Brody is of course you got uh, uh, Shiloh there as well but what are, what is your depth behind those two at, at hooker looking like at the moment yeah well you always get tested um in any squad i think around the country when you get a double break in one position 
Um, so, so we wouldn't want to get um, another another break at hooker. We'd be we'd be pretty exposed then. But you know, we've got a guy Ricky Jackson who's come in, who's at the Highlanders. He's like training cover at the moment, and um, a young fella George Bell who's um, coming through the academy system. He'll be a part of the twenties and probably New Zealand twenties. So, there is a little bit of depth coming. But when you talk about experience at Super Rugby level, especially front rowers, um, look, I, they don't go out there unless. I know they're ready because it's a different position in the front row, so we've got to make sure we're doing everything right to set them up to succeed in their body composition, their mental toughness and, and that sort of thing and make sure we've got the right people around them, uh, which which is also important. But, um, yeah, we've got a bit, we've got a bit there, but, um, you know, you talk about Cody. Yeah, he, he does a lot for this team. Unbelievable leader on and off the field. Yeah, fantastic player, mate. You guys got the uh, the Highlanders, of course, the big derby this weekend, and we know that the Highlanders are hurting. Uh, you know, they they haven't had the start to the season they wanted. They've been there or thereabouts in most games, just haven't been able to get it done. I had a look at the team they put out yesterday. Uh, that forward pack looks it looks really really solid. What are you expecting uh, from them this weekend? Yeah, I think Andrew Makaleo will add a lot to their scrum. Right. Um, I really do. He's a powerful scrummager. And I think it's a um, pretty good mix that they've gone. Interesting that they've probably picked a stronger bench, I think, um, for this game. But, you know, we're, we're honestly reading nothing into their results at all. You know, last year we played them up here and, you know, they'd had a bit of um, a few off-field dramas that they had to deal with in a week and came up here absolutely resilient. And to be honest, cleaned us up. It was the biggest score we'd lost to in seven years. Um, so, so we're, so we're you know, there's a bit of hurt there still from that game, but... You know, they're a well-coached team. Um, you know, anyone with Aaron Smith in it, they can do anything on the day. So we've re- we've prepared with a lot of respect and accordingly to put on a good performance tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, how do you guys approach it? Because I guess, you know, you've just come off two games uh, in three weeks against the Chiefs, uh, which have been physically taxing. We've talked about the injuries that you've had as well. And you go up against a team that not only is at the local derby, but it's a, it's, it's a team that's hurting because of the way their season has started. I mean, it... You know, looking at it from the outside, it looks like a potential banana skin. How do you stop your guys, you know, thinking it's the Landers, they haven't won this season, we'll get this done? Yeah, we addressed it Monday morning really sharply, straight after our Chiefs review. Razor set a real scene for the group, and that was like, oh, probably just what we needed, really. Um, put it right on the coaches, put it right on the players in the, in the, in the, gr- in the room together. So there's no hiding, and um, it doesn't happen often, but it was definitely, uh, I think it was needed. And, you know, you, as I said before, you prepare accordingly. But, um, you know, we, we know that um, it's going to be a big job at hand, and you just got to keep the boys sharp. I think during your weeks, look, you're not getting any fitter this time of year at trainings. You are, you know, you're learning during the game, so um, and getting your game right under pressure. So making sure that we... Just keep our meetings sharp and fresh and uh, always evolving that so we're not just you know, talking about the same things and get different people presenting and all those sort of things help set your week up. Now, um, before I let you go, Jace, we should talk uh, Lucy's as well. Cullen Grace obviously had that injury last season. He, he started the season really well, but then lost his place for a while there to, uh, to Pablo Matera. Uh, but that's kind of been reversed. He started great again on the weekend against the Chiefs, and you've gone again with him. So it's Ethan at six, Tom Christie at seven, and, and, and Cullen at eight. 
Uh, the depth there is great as well as it always is with these Crusader, Crusader sides. But uh, uh, it, it does leave Pablo on the bench, who of course was such a big off-season signing. Where do you see his best position? Because I know he's played eight for you, he's played six for you. Where do you think he sits best? Oh, look, he's actually genuinely good at all of them. <laughs> and it's a bit of a luxury that, that we've got that, that he can actually float. I think what you're seeing, like you talk about Cully, he, he was outstanding in the week and last weekend against the Chiefs. The big one for him now is consistency of performances. He adds a lot to our line-out. He's an unbelievably explosive um, jumper, and he's fast, a lot like Kieran Reid was. So that's a real point of difference for us in our line-out, as well as having two lock jumpers. So you've got genuinely good three, three or four jumping um, options in your line-out. But I think... What Pablo, you know, a lot of people are seeing what he's doing on the field and he, he played some good games for us, and particularly the last game he played. But he's adding a lot of little technical details during the week to the, these loose forwards of ours, which are relatively relatively young, to be fair. You know, Tom, Cully and, and Ethan, the, um, you know, they're not that experienced, but he's adding a lot in, in preparation and, and just trying to be world leading in, in your position so that's great yeah no fantastic mate you guys you guys are looking good uh, strength to strength and you know from uh, what I've seen it looks like uh, if, you know uh, I know we're a long way to go but it looks like it'll be you and the Chiefs duking it out again uh, for the title come the end of the season thanks for coming on today mate and uh, yeah, best of luck tonight well, t- uh, sorry tomorrow night against the uh, the Landers I think uh, it's going to be a great game yeah, no problem, Ricardo. Great to talk to you. Yeah, See good you to chat. Yeah, we'll do, mate. Uh, Jason Ryan, there, the Ford's coach of uh, the Crusaders. Uh, that, yeah, man, the scary. Scary the depth uh, that the that Crusaders team have got. It's being tested. It's being tested, but we're going to get see some new faces and looking forward to see what Zach Gallagher offers a new name again uh, coming out of the Crusaders. A, a lock cover with uh, Mitch Dunshay and Sam Whitelock unavailable. So uh, if you've not seen. Uh, the Crusaders' starting team. This is what it looks like to play the Highlanders. Joe Moody and Cody Taylor. Fletcher Newell is the front row. Scott Barrett will captain in the second row with Quinton Strange. And the Lucys are Ethan Blackett at Tom Christie and Cullen Grace. Mitch Drummond is at nine. Richie Mawanga at ten. The Wings are Sevu Reese and George Bridge. David Havili and Lester Fyanganuku are the midfield. And Will Jordan plays fullback. Uh, from the bench, Shiloh Klein, George Bauer and Tamaiti Williams. Zach Gallagher, Pablo Matera. Those are the Ford replacements. Then Bryn Hall, Fergus Burke, and Braden Enor are the back replacements. So that is going to be a great game. Actually, there's a it's a it's a good round of Super Rugby coming up this weekend. This is mornings with Ian Smith, uh, Ricardo Ball, in for Smithy. Sixteen past ten here on SENZ. When we come back, it is time for the Dilma Expertise Panel. This is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The Expertise Panel. Brought to you by Dilma. Do try it. It's 21 past 10 here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. No, Smithy, of course. Uh, he is on World Cup Judy Ricardo Ball in for you. And uh, joining us today on the Dilma Expertise panel from News Hub is James Regan. G'day, James. Good morning, mate. And uh, from stuff.co.nz, Mark Hinton. G'day, Mark. 
Morning, Rick. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. Good, thank you. Uh, of course, so this is the Dilmar Expertise Panel. Dilmar, do try it. Gentlemen, let's start uh, with news that Black Ferns coach Glenn Moore is set to stay. I know uh, the Wayne Smith has been added to the mix, and I think uh, Graham Henry might have some input as well. James, let's start with you. I know you guys at News Hub are being hot on this story. What do you make of the fact Moore is set to stay? I mean, from the outside looking in, is this, is this the rugby union not listening to the players? And, and not wanting to upset the apple cart ahead of the World Cup? Yeah, it's an interesting one, this one, isn't it? Ollie Ritchie uh, putting this out last night that Glenn Moore said to stay. I, without obviously knowing what went on uh, in that culture review, you'd assume they would have spoken to the players about who they wanted and what kind of coach they wanted, and maybe that's where Wayne Smith comes into the equation, a bit more experience and just a, a different voice to add to the mix, but Glenmore, yes, that stay it's hard because there's a World Cup just around the corner. So they wouldn't want too much change going into that. Obviously, a home World Cup as well. Um, but if, if that's what everyone wants, and I guess that's the, the conclusion that we're waiting to see from this review, then then that's um, that's the way they've chosen. And I guess the players would have had some say. You'd, you'd, you'd like to think anyway. Yeah, you would. I mean, Mark, your take on this? Because, I mean, I know Wayne Smith is, uh, you know, widely regarded. He's a very respected coach uh, and analyst and things as well. But, I mean, if the the stories that we heard, you know, about what the issues potentially were with Glenn Moore from some of the players, is chucking another bloke in the mix the fix here? Or do we need another female voice maybe in that management structure? Yeah, look, just talking to the Wayne Smith appointment first, um, Rick, um, There is a tinge of tokenism and male privilege about it, absolutely. And that's no offence to Wayne Smith. We all know what a brilliant operator he is. But this is the Black Ferns, you know, uh, yeah. Is there not, you know, a strong, um, viable voice and and rugby brain, you know, amongst, I guess, the women's game that they could not have added? Possibly not, but, you know... What about a Melody Robinson? What about um, you know some of the great players that have played in that in that team in the past? Surely you know there was someone they could have added to add that little bit of extra. But I guess you know they've gone with Wayne Smith, and we all know what a what a astute rugby mind he is. But will he make a difference? Is is tactics? Is um, kind of um, I guess X's and O's? What's what, what's wrong with the Black Ferns? Looking at their results on tour last year, they were absolutely wiped off the park by. England and France, it doesn't appear so. It appears they just have talent problems. They just have, I guess, form issues. They just need to be better. Um, and, you know, is Wayne Smith a fix all there? I'm not so sure. In terms of the review, Rick, you have to think, um, you have to think, and, and this is not to preempt um, the findings, which will be out, I understand, this week. Uh, you have to think that they haven't found a, a real widespread cultural issues here because otherwise... They couldn't have reappointed him. Um, and it would appear that the, the hooker, uh, Tikura Nata Aranamata, excuse me if I butchered her name, um, um, you have to think that possibly she was a lone voice or, or, or part of a very small minority. Otherwise, I don't see how they could have re- reappointed Glenmore with any, any confidence. So so we'll find that out sooner rather than later. But um, his reappointment, and well done by uh, to Ollie Ritchie at News Hub for, for breaking that news first, although it, it was reasonably predictable. Um, um, the, re-appoint, the reappointment indicates that, that you know, that there isn't widespread issues there and, and they're, they're happy to box on, albeit with the addition of a, of a former all-black coaching genius. Yeah, well, I mean, that uh, seems to be the way it's said. I mean, I... I <laughs> 
James, I'm not sure what you think about this, but I look at you know what they need to do to bridge the gap with England and France that we saw at the end of last year is have our top women playing more often against better opposition. Um, and I don't think that Super Olpeki running for two and a half weeks is the answer. Yeah, that, that's another tough one as well because Olpeki certainly gave us a glimpse into the future, but there's no doubt that, that more talent and a bigger depth of talent um, is needed. Obviously, it was hard because of COVID this year and the games that were on were really good. Um, but does that help? The Black Ferns, which is what we ultimately want to see happen. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe players do need to go overseas and get a bit of a taste of um, of what you know in the Northern Hemisphere, as we say, France and England really dominant last year. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's a quick fix. I think um, that's probably something we can all agree on. It's going to take a few years to to really lift the women's game. And OPEC is a great start, but yeah, there's probably a lot more. Um, work that needs to be done uh, in that area. Yeah, definitely. Uh, now, Mark, uh, talking about coaches, um, I'll tell you, somebody who's shuffled off very quietly uh, is Bob Carter, hasn't he? Um, now, I like Bob. He's a great guy. He's good to talk cricket with. He's always happy to talk cricket. Uh, so nothing personal here, but I, I just find it unbelievable that a guy who's uh, overseen what's been a bit of a disaster of a World Cup campaign for the White Ferns has then been able to shuffle straight off without fronting uh, into a high-performance role again. I mean, how can you be a high-performance director of a national sport like cricket when you've shown that on the international stage you're unable to perform at the highest level? Yeah, one of the big disappointments of the sporting year so far absolutely has been the failure of the White Ferns at their home Cricket World Cup. I mean, really disappointing. Uh, you know, they didn't. They didn't really offer much resistance, did they? And you got to look. You know, we're talking about culpability of coaches in a review that went on into um, Glenn Moore's situation. Well, New Zealand cricket surely has to look at what's going on in the White Sands. Um, and you know, I've heard some of the excuses trotted out, um, but really, they just didn't front. Um, and and you know, you got to look into why that that was. Um, why the players, you know, weren't up to it. The big matches, they kind of shrunk. Um, so, you know, there, there really should be a review. There really needs to be questions asked. And, yeah, you have to wonder um, about um, people, I guess, kind of uh, paying with their, with their jobs, I guess, for a, a massive um, underperformance like that. But, you know, um, you can't always blame the coach, Rick. It's not always his fault, you know. Uh, um, the system, that you know, that has it developed the talent well enough? Um, were our players just not good enough? I mean, there's a lot of questions to be asked around the, the White Sands, but it was very disappointing, and, and, and we're seeing, in contrast, just the pure and utter dominance and class of the Australian women. What a fabulous team they are. And they are uh, one game away from completing one of the uh, most dominant, you know, World Cup victories I've seen in any sport. So... Um, we we'll see how that plays out, but in contrast to the to what happened, what's happened with the White Ferns, you have to admire the Australian women's cricketers. What a fabulous unit! Yeah, they're a great unit. All right, uh, James on on Bob. I mean, uh, and and that White Fern situation. Uh, where are you? Because I mean, everything that I've heard from people that have worked with him is that he's great to work with, but he's he's a guy that'll you know 
sort of give you throwdowns in the nets and every good one you hit he'll tell you how great it is and every one you miss he won't say anything so I mean you know he, some people are great number twos not necessarily great number ones and there are also some question marks about the selection of the of this team you know we've got somebody like Rachel Priest of course opening the batting and captaining Hobart Hurricanes over in, uh, over in Aussie hitting tons uh, they they didn't want her and Lee Kasprick who's our, our top wicket taker domestically leading into this tournament didn't get selected for personality reasons apparently um, the, the there has to be more question marks. New Zealand cricket seem to have just chucked their head under the bed and don't want to talk about it. Yeah, and that's the thing. You, you kind of rattle off a few there just um, just then, but there are so many questions about um, both the team and I guess the setup as a whole. I think in terms of Bob Carter staying on, it, it'll probably be valuable to have him stick around and because he obviously knows the players. He'll know, um, I guess, how, how people tick and all of that, but Going forward, yeah, they've got to bring someone in who's just gonna, who's probably going to rattle a few cages, um, both within the team and I guess at New Zealand cricket in terms of how this White Ferns team is going to progress. Because there's no doubt at all that they've got the talent and they've got the potential. They just haven't been able to put it together um, in this World Cup, which has been great. Um, a lot of the games, you know, have been amazing to watch. But Mark mentioned there the golfing class between Australia. Maybe we need to have a look at what Australia are doing and how they're running things because. That's the only way um, that these guys are going to get better is just to look at the best of the world. And at the moment, that is that is quite clearly Australia. So whether that means Bob Carter stays or goes uh, in the long term, I'm not sure. I think it will be good to have him stick around for a wee while. But they've got to bring someone in who's who's not afraid to to make some changes. And I think that's the first the first place they've got to start. Just bringing the right person in. Um, I think they need a female influence there as well. Brian Stronach, uh, New Zealand cricket, has said that. Um, it's probably the same for the Blackburns that there needs to be some kind of female influence in these teams um, because it is, it is different. It's a different kind of environment and to have that voice, I think, is, is going to be hugely valuable. But yeah, as Mark said, hats off to Australia because they've just been, they've been outstanding. This is the Dilmar Expertise panel on Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Coming up time for news and sport, both uh, James Regan and Mark Hinton will be back with us after Araha Hathaway has the latest in news and sport. The Expertise Panel, brought to you by Dilma. Do try it. You're on SENZ. It is mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for Smithy. 26 away from 11. Dilma celebrating 30 years of tea in New Zealand. And uh, gentlemen, we should talk the Warriors. Um, now, uh, the NRL. Should the NRL reward the Warriors in 2023 with all games being played in New Zealand? So the Warriors host their games at Mount Smart and all the other clubs, the Tigers, the Raiders, the Seagulls, etc., play their home games in other centres around New Zealand. Mark, what do you think of this idea that Cameron George has floated? Um, Yeah, and it applies to the New Zealand Breakers as well, and it has been um, one that has been espoused in in NBL circles as well. I don't buy it. Look, these are uh, one side of the coin. You can see it makes sense, and it would be a great PR move and a great um, gesture for both the Warriors and the Breakers. Um, um, given the two years uh, they've just come off, uh, absolutely incredible uh, load on those guys, and, and and it would be just reward. But in effect, you're punishing the rest of the league, and I just don't see the clubs um, basically copying uh, <laughs> copying that. Um, 
I know it's not. It's only sort of one away game, that a one home game they'd be giving up each. But uh, you know, you're costing them a home gate. They'd have to find a way to recompense them. There's a, there's a lot of hurdles to get over. It would be a great PR gesture, but I don't. I, I kind of don't see it happening, and I don't really think it need. It has to happen. Um, uh, you know, these have just been uh, unbelievable times. A New Zealand team playing in the Australian league. It's just something they've had to cop. Um, so, yeah, great PR gesture, Rick, but I, I don't see it happening. I really don't, but uh, it would be great if it did. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm looking at it, James, and saying, well, you could go to Wellington, you could go to Christchurch, you could go to Dunedin, Rotorua, Tauranga, uh, Whangarei, Hamilton uh, could all host games. Palmy could host a game probably as well. And those teams, those are their home games, right? So they do get those gates. There will be associated costs. I don't know if the NRL would offset those or not. But what's your take on it? Is it doable? Or do you think it's uh, pie-in-the-sky type stuff? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on the fence too. I think something has to be given to the Warriors, no doubt, for what they've done over the past couple of years. I think there'd be a bit of concern about whether it would financially make sense. For example, if you take a Melbourne Storm against Warriors game to uh, to Whangarei, it's not going to turn out the same revenue as it does at Amy Park. Um, you know, so in terms of the wider game in rugby league in New Zealand, I think definitely bring the Kangaroos over next year. You know, make it a triple header with Tonga and, and get get Mount Smart packed out, and because they've they've missed that too, the Kiwis. So in terms of the Warriors, I I don't think it's doable, but I think something definitely has to happen because teams aren't going to want to give up their, their home games realistically, are they, as Mark says. So something has to happen, whether that's all games in New Zealand, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite convinced yet, although something has to happen. Here's, here's an idea for you, Mark. I don't see what you think of this. Uh, everything that, 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 well, I was going to say everything that I've done, but actually it's everything that Logan's done, um, uh, suggests that Brisbane, uh, their last... Um, a Magic Round uh, game contract is this year. Um, so what about a Magic Round at Eden Park or Sky Stadium? Do you think that would float and, and would that offset some of it? Yes, absolutely. I think I think that's a more workable prospect than, um, you know, you're sat, basically you're talking about saturating a market as well. Mm. You know, would there be enough interest to... To, for basically the Warriors to, to you know fill stadiums in New Zealand every single week or go you know generate the crowds they need to, to pay the bills sort of thing um, yeah yeah I'd like that I like that idea I think something like that that's a, kind of a bit of a one-off a money spinner um, you know both the breakers and the Warriors I'm sure have been recompensed by um, their various governments and national bodies for the last two years, there's no doubt about that. Otherwise, that they wouldn't be still standing. But you know, they they deserve something like that. They deserve a shot in the arm, uh, a boost to their coffers, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, I think that's more workable than than playing an entire season at home um, on, on many levels, uh, as we've discussed here. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Do yeah. something like a magic round. That works. That works indeed. All right. And gentlemen, before we let you go, of course, All Whites 5, Solomon Islands nil this morning means that in June, the All Whites play Costa Rica for a place at Qatar 2022. James, uh, predictions for that game? Yeah, I'm going to go all in uh, on the All Whites here. I think they've been great. Um, going back to the Olympics where they, they certainly started to look like they were building something and then into these games as well, they just looked... They've looked good, and in the difficult games they've won as well. Um, that one 0 win against Tahiti was brutal, <laughs> brutal watch. 
um, for everyone, but they, they've done it and they, they've shown they can do it and knock out football. So, yeah, they can absolutely do it. Yeah, Mark, your thoughts? Well, I hate to be the voice of reason or the unpopular um, opinion, but um, I think Costa Rica walk in. Uh, you look at who they've just come, come off playing, El Salvador, they beat Canada 1-0, Jamaica, uh, scoreless draw with Mexico, 2-1 they beat Honduras, Panama they won, 2-1 lost to the USA, very good team. You know, they're playing quality internationals. New Zealand beat Tahiti 1-0, we beat Papua New Guinea 1-0. Uh, this is an atrociously weak pool they've had to come out of in Oceania. I know that's not their fault, Rick, but they just haven't been tested at all and they should absolutely have cakewalked this uh, qualifying zone and, and, and they, haven't, they haven't been that convincing, although... You know, 5-0 in the final was a good result, and 7-1 over New Caledonia, I guess, goes down as a good result. But uh, um, just in terms of preparation, in terms of who they've, you know, who they've come up against, uh, Costa Rica look a, a million miles ahead of the All Whites. And I know it's a one-off game, and, and I'll be cheering for the All Whites as much as anyone else, but the reality is this is a team that's been to the World Cup five times, five times out of Central America zone that they aren't easy beats by any stretch. They're a quality football team, and the All-Whites are going to have to come up with something they haven't shown yet, and that's world-class football. Yeah, all right. Good stuff, gentlemen. Thanks very much for your input on the uh, Dilma expertise uh, panel today. Really appreciate it. Go well, and uh, have a great weekend. Cheers, Thanks, mate. Thanks, Mark. There you go. Uh, that is the Dilma Expertise panel uh, for another day here on Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Coming your way in the next little while, we'll catch up with the hyphen himself, Louis Herman Watt, who managed to tip me into absolutely nothing yesterday. But we have him back for a love racing update again coming up before the end of the hour. All winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 14 away from 11 here on SENZ. Ricardo Ball in for Smithy. Uh, you can hit us on our temper bedpost text machine, double eight double three. Your thoughts around some of those things we talked about, about uh, the Warriors potentially hosting, uh, well, you know, not having to travel to Australia uh, for 2023 and having all those teams come here. Um, keen to get your thoughts. Uh, now, this one came from Zane on double eight double three. He said, guys, I'm a massive Warriors fan. And while I love the idea of the Warriors away games being played in New Zealand, I can't see it happening because of the logistics in making it happen. I expect three or four Aussie teams will play their games in New Zealand next year, but that will be it. Uh, thanks very much for your text, Zane. Keep them coming through on double eight double three. Uh, the uh, Hurricanes have just announced their team to play the Chiefs this weekend. Of course, that's a Sunday afternoon game. Interesting move. Geordie Barrett, who has been 15-15-15, and everybody said, look, it's great because the Hurricanes just play him at 15. He knows his role inside out. They don't move him around. He's been named at 12. Um, for, to play the Chiefs. This is the team. Puri Rakiti Stones, uh, Asafa Almoa and Tyrell Lomax are the front row. James Blackwell and Scott Scrafton are the locks. Reed Princip, Duplessis Karifi and Adi Savia. The Lucys, then TJ Peranara, Jackson Garden, Bashup of the halves. Wes Horson and Julian Savia on the wings. Geordie Barrett at 12, Billy Proctor at 13 and Ruben Love at 15. Uh, then on the bench, uh, James O'Reilly, Xavier Namua, uh, Tavita Mafilio, uh, Caleb Delaney, Devin Flanders, Jamie Booth, Balen Sullivan and Josh Morby. Uh, the back reserves, uh, all the reserves there. So, yeah, interesting move, getting Geordie Barrett to play 12 against the Chiefs this weekend. Your thoughts on that? Double eight, double three is the temper bedpost text machine. Now, uh, last night over in Australia, out of Victoria, they had the uh, the state few 
funeral uh, or the state memorial for Shane Warne. It feels like this has dragged on for ages. I mean, like, no disrespect to the bloke, but I felt like we said goodbye three weeks ago. So this, this kind of, yeah, uh, feels like it's dragged on a whole heap. But anyway, it, it went on. There were a lot of big names there. And, uh, of course, one of those was Stephen Fleming, the former Black Caps captain. This is what he had to say at that memorial service for Shane Warne. Warnie, you were one hell of a cricket player, but you were an even better mate. From taking my wicket on the field to giving me your time off it, I felt that was a pretty good deal. We'd play 500 during rain breaks and test cricket, and we'd have some ferocious golf games and haggles. Never a dull moment with your mate, and I loved every minute of it. Godspeed, King. There you go, nicely said and nicely summed up uh, from Flynn. Uh, apparently, uh, uh, well, it was a bit of a who's who, wasn't it? Robbie Williams was there. Um, they had Chris Martin from Coldplay beaming in, Liz Hurley beamed in, they, uh, Elton John, Ed Sheeran, uh, not, not to mention the cricket royalty like Sachin Tendulkar from around the world. Uh, so you can text us through double eight double three. that is the Temper Beard Post text machine. Your thoughts on that, if you caught it, or on Geordie Barrett playing 12, or the Warriors. What do you think about them playing... Uh, all around New Zealand in 2023, Logan. Um, did you catch much of the uh, the Warren Memorial? A uh, bit past my bedtime, personally. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. Yeah, no, I, I caught little glimpses there. And, of course, you know, uh, Fox Cricket will, will do an amazing production. Uh, so what I did see did look really great. Great words there from uh, Stephen Fleming. Of course, he's busy at the moment with the uh, IPL. Uh Back to the panel there, and you're talking about the Warriors. I actually really liked James Regan's thoughts on um, let's have a bit of internationals going. Yes, that money wouldn't be going to the Warriors, but it does probably help the wider rugby league community if you do also include, you know, Tonga and that passionate community there in uh, around the South Auckland areas. They'll really get behind it there at Mount Smart. I would love to see something like that. But it does seem to think the smarter and more obvious one is to have a magic round. You mentioned Wellington. Uh, how about Eden Park? You know, I mean, Eden Park is the is the big stadium in New Zealand. Yeah, sure, Wellington's great. You know, they've had history hosting things like that. But so have Eden Park with the NRL in the ninth. So uh, either way, both would be great locations. Uh, but I would love to see the magic round here. Yeah, the magic round here would be uh, magic. Uh, to coin a phrase, uh, but we'll see. Keep your text coming in on that on our temper bed post text machine double eight double three. Louis Herman, what uh, just wandered in to get ready for his love racing update? We're going to do that next here on Mornings with Ian Smith. The voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The Love Racing NZ update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Yeah, five away from 11 and time for that Love Racing update. Uh, Louis Herman, what with us, mate? Uh, you went all right on the punt yesterday, did you? Yeah, there's just so many winners. Uh, it was a uh, kind of was a gasp before when you said, "I've done nothing for you on the punt." Yeah. All I can do is give you the information. I can't get into your account and place the bets <laughs> myself. It's user error. I mentioned that Kai might be a multi-fuller. You could go to the win or the place. You said, I'm going to go win. I said, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, you did, you did, you did say that. Oh, and and that, that was the one that was the one that let me down because I backed Neighbourhood for the place and I backed Victoria Rock for the one and then Kai for the win. Yeah, that's right. And, and you 
probably see. I I took Kaya place and also Charmander a place, right. um, and had an F, a Philip. Look, you know what the worst kind of punter is, and I'm not saying this is you, but I'm trying. It's just I'll, I'll Potent- s- you potentially not far off. Oh, you know, it is for everybody. The worst kind of punter is a punter that doesn't take personal responsibility for their own actions. Right, okay. you got to be accountable. You can't be. You can't be slamming the person that gives you the mail or the tip, right? Because no one made you put it on. And always, and especially, and I don't, I get so many tips. So I see so many tips. Ultimately, it's up to you to then work out whether it's worth it or not. How many tips do you get? Like, for example, say there, there was a big race, maybe at Ellerslie or something, and it's you know race nine is the big race of the day, and you'll you'll be getting tipped, and and you get tipped out five different winners. How often does that happen, mate? If there's twelve horses in the race, you get six, seven different winners. Like, right. Because even but that's the beauty about racing. It's like art. Everyone looks at a ra- everyone looks at a field and sees it completely differently. And it's not often. And this is why when you declare one, you want it to win because you don't want to lose that kind of equity with the punter or who you person you're telling. Because if you say this is going to win, it doesn't win. That's why a couple of weeks ago, when I felt so passionately about can I get an amen, and it's saluted at Trentham. I was just it's nothing. There's nothing like it. If you just really think that it's going to win, and the bookies mark it. And they say it's five bucks, and you're like, I'm pretty sure it's a three dollar chance, and it wins. That's the most satisfying. Anyway, we've just talked about punting for three minutes. Yeah. Very, very quickly, uh, the Group One market is open for Alpuni, um, the uh, size produce stakes, Dynastic two dollar fifty favorite, Wolverine three dollars eighty, and Maven Bell taking cash at three point six. Opie Boston on breakfast tomorrow morning, and he's going to tell us why Dynastic wins. Okay, good stuff. There you go. That is the Love Racing update. loveracing.nz for all your thoroughbred racing news, previews, reviews, and more. And uh, Pip from the TAB joins us. Of course, you can be live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Pip, uh, what do you got for us today? Plenty to look forward to. Good morning to you, Ricardo, with the NRL, of course, round four uh, starts tonight. And there's been a couple of big bets on some matches as well. $1,000 on the Broncos to cover the three-and-a-half point start at $1.90. Uh, fifteen hundred on the storm to beat the Bulldogs at a dollar nineteen, and two thousand dollar multi on Broncos, Titans, and Eels all to win, and the Sharks to cover the six and a half point start to collect around ten thousand two hundred and ten dollars. Oh, that sounds good. A really nice bet there, and of course we've got the same game claim to look forward to, so you can place a three or more leg multi on the same game, and if you miss by one leg, you can get a bonus bet back in your account up to $50. Oh, wow. It's all going on at the, on, on at the tab. Uh, what else are you looking forward to this weekend, Pip? Oh, I've got to be the Australian races across the Tasman, of course. Another huge weekend of racing, Ricardo, so I'll be looking forward to sitting down and tuning into that. Yeah, indeed. Go well, mate. Thank you for your time. You too. See you later. See so, you. Yeah, watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18 coming up after 11. Uh, the monster, Monty Beetham. He's going to join us and we're going to talk rugby league. To behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It was just a really good time at the club, and we I really felt we were heading towards, you know, a period of sustained consistency, and that all got thrown out the window by some decisions that you probably look back on that, you know, were definitely not the right ones. What do you think we have lacked over over the years uh, that has stopped us? Is it a is it a mindset thing? Is it a personnel thing? Is it as simple as the coach? I don't think it's as simple as the coach. Um, I don't know how long your show goes for, but. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, this is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Ricardo Ball in for Smithy. It's three past 11. That you heard, of course, uh, was our next guest, uh, the monster Monty Beetham, a Warriors legend, uh, on his show on Sky Sports, Once a Warrior, where he interviews uh, former Warriors. And, of course, last night it was uh, Captain Mannering, Simon Mannering himself. Monster, great job. Uh, loving the new show. Thanks, man. Uh, so am I. Um, I just wish it was a little bit longer so we can go a little bit deeper in terms of uh, conversation and, and getting to know it a little bit more. But, you know, uh, it's good that we uh, get to hear from him. The last time we heard from Simon was probably four years ago after his uh, last game ever played. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I thought, uh, you know, and I don't want to, spoiler alert here, but you can go back to, to, to your Sky Go app and you can watch that uh, watch that show. I, I watched it again this morning because I was, I was working last night, so I didn't get to see it live, but I watched it this morning, mate. It was interesting that he's hardly watched any footy since he hung up the boots. It's crazy. A guy that's given so much to the club, probably more than anyone else. Like, he played a total of uh, 301 games out of a possible 322. So he's probably had Kiwi duties and everything else. Like, he's lived and he's breathed this at the top level for so long, and yet he can just walk away from it, which I just find uh, so intriguing. Um, But I just hope he's not lost to the game, man. I hope he comes back because the IP that he has and the money that he has uh, should not be lost to um, this Warriors team. Yeah, I guess for you it was a little bit different. I mean, I, I was thinking about your your sort of situation, but I mean, you didn't leave sport altogether, did you? You just transitioned from one sport to another, quite different sports, but I guess you filled that hole with boxing, uh, whereas he, uh, he's just gone away and done something t- totally different. Yeah, well, he had um, two careers in one. Like, he had an outstanding career. For me, I had walked away from the game because I wanted to try something different. You know, I... I was 28 years of age. I still had a year to run on my contract over in England, some of the most money ever, and uh, stupidly decided I wanted to come home and do some boxing. But uh, not everyone gets that chance to call it quits when they do. And then, you know, as you do, sometimes it takes you a number of years to transition, and you transition a few times. So he's still fighting his feet. So um, you get on that show and you on the app and you find out a little bit more. There'll be plenty of uh, replays through the week as well, but I'm enjoying it, man. Yeah, mate. No, you're doing a great job too. Looking forward to it. And it goes uh, right throughout the season too, right? So we've got plenty more to come. Absolutely, and it won't just be the players. We'll try and look at getting people on like uh, Mick Watson and Daniel Anderson and Ivan Cleary, uh, players and coaching, just to to get the insights because we don't want cliches. We just want real talk and some stories that have been untold. Mate, I tell you, you want real talk. Daniel Anderson's a man that delivers real talk, eh? You'd know that. Yep. <laughs> hey, Monts, we should talk about uh, the, the Warriors this season. Uh, interesting that uh, Sean Johnson's been named on an extended bench. Um, if you were laying odds at the TAB about whether or not he, he plays this weekend, what sort of odds would you give me? Uh, I would probably bet more so that he is going to play mm-hmm. than, than not. Um, I'm, I know he's pretty excited. Um, he, When I was messaging him through his DMs, um, he's, he's, he's pretty... Good in terms of uh, ticking the boxes to date. This was a few days ago, but obviously um, it was the week that he had to get through to uh, make sure that he um, is in, in, in one condition. But um, on the weekend, he was very optimistic about his chances. And if he's optimistic about playing, I'm optimistic about our chances of getting a back-to-back win. And now if that happens, if he does play, uh, is he playing? Is Chanel Harris-Tavita or Cody Nicarima missing out? My, my view is I love Chanel Harris Tavita to play, um, and 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 because it goes deeper than that. Because we're talking about identity, we're talking about guys that want to play for the Shampoo who have dreamt about it for a very very long time. 
Ewan Aiken's not coming back next year because he hasn't dreamed about this club, about this jersey. Uh, and I, I think when, you, when you're when trying to pay overs for people, people like Chanel Harris-Tavita, who wanted to pay for a very long time and loves this club and got family at home, they will play uh, and they will stay here for a little bit less or for the, the right reasons to, to wear that jumper. And those are the people you want to be in around, the Simon Mannerings, uh, the Stacey Jones, those sort of people that, you know, you can build a club around. Well, yeah, mate, on that, that you and Aiken thing, uh, that really baffles me because he's got, what, three years to run on his contract. I mean, you're supposed to be a professional sportsman, but you want to stay in Australia because of family reasons. I'm calling bullshit on that, mate. I reckon that's uh, that's all just uh, that's all just money-driven. Uh, you're not a professional athlete if you're picking and choosing where you're playing. You've signed a contract, do the do the mahi, do the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm cautious on, on calling bullshit only because I don't know what the family situation is. But with your point, when you signed three years uh, at the start of it, you knew what was coming up and you must have known that at some stage this pandemic will be over and then you're going to return back to New Zealand where you should be playing at home. There's no place like home. So I can understand that fully. And when it came out, I was, I was very surprised. Mm. But that's further to my point of about looking after the talent that, care about this club that has lived in New Zealand that want to play for a particular reason like he's the ultimate professional but you know there's even talk about the Dolphins and, and Reese Walsh and, and everyone else Reese Walsh has never been to New Zealand mm. uh, has never experienced the, the 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 fans point of view so it, it makes it really hard to to drive the identity and drive the money of the jersey when um, a lot of the people are missing the key ingredients to to what makes it that yeah, we've got Rocco Berry and Jesse Arthurs lining up in the centres against the Broncos this weekend, mate. Um, it feels like, for me, that we, we're a bit stretched in the centres and, and, and we could be better off actually playing you and Aiken back in the centres because we seem to have quite a few second rowers that we could slot in that place. What do you make of that? Yeah, look, you and Aiken was exceptional last year when he came back into uh, the you know, left edge or, or, or playing in the, in the, um, on the edge, I should say. But, um, you know, I, I was wondering whether they would put him back out to centres. He is the experienced campaigner. When we've been sort of underdone a little bit in the centres, um, you think that could be a real viable option, but it doesn't seem to be that way. Uh, when you start the season and you've got all your guns on board in terms of personnel, uh, I'm, I'm a person who likes the big four packs. I'm a, a person who thinks that, you know, if you can have these people who are bigger and stronger and you've got the ball in hand and running at tight, uh, defending, uh, lines retreating, that they, they make a big difference. So that was surprising. Uh, but I've said the whole time through the way he structured his teams, it's as easy as um, you know, uh, Rocket Berry going to the ring or, or coming out, and him going straight back into centres and then moving someone else in. But uh, it's something that we're going to have to look at. Is there going to be uh, a play going forward, or we're going to see some some bigger boppers out there, especially defensively? When you think about our edges having um, the problems, you know, if you've got him, who's a bit smaller, then you've got uh, Cody Nikorema, who's not the best defender at this stage. Uh, although he had a great game defensively last week, um, it makes you a bit of a target or spots to run at if you're an attacking team. Now, uh, in terms of the balance, uh, the Broncos haven't had a great uh, start to the season. I mean, I thought everything was supposed to be all good now that uh, Kevy Walters was back in charge. They got rid of some uh, some deadwood out of there. But, I mean, they had that, that game against South's uh, first one up, which I think said more about South than it said about the Broncos. And since then, the Broncos are disappointed, mate. I, I mean, I, I, I think uh, they've been they've performed worse if you like, than the Warriors have, even though they've both got the same record. What are your thoughts going into this game? Well, you know, when you play that poorly, but you've got two wins and one loss, I mean, that, that's a good position to be in, right? Yep. Um, 
But look, it's a, it's a dangerous team. But when you, you look at all the media around Payne Haas, you've, you've got to wonder if his mind is on the job. But what a freak. Um, he is a freak of nature. The What he is able to do at a young age, um, the size in terms of the weight, the engine, the minutes he plays, and the destruction uh, that follows him in his wake is, is unbelievable. This kid is, you know, a kid that you, um, you, know, you, you can win premierships in and around. Um, whether you pay that sort of money, uh, I don't know, and a little bit wider with the Katoni Stags as well, it's good. But, you know, for the Warriors, game management has been a big part of, of, of not getting it right, and uh, they'll be wanting Sean Johnson to come back. But uh, Adam Reynolds, I think there's a lot being made about him as a marquee signing coming down. Uh, and when he gets right and uh, is better for the runs and, and feels more confident, I think you're going to see this uh, Broncos side get a lot better. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it on balance, I, I think if you compare apples for apples, the Warriors for me look like they've probably got a, the stronger forward pack, uh, just, just, but uh, the Broncos probably got the better back line. Yeah, but that's the thing, you know, but it's not always uh, played on paper. Well, it's never played on paper, but, but it's about how you turn up and about ensuring that you start from the opening whistle. The Warriors have been giving away too many starts. Like last week was 12 points behind before they start going in the first game. It was very similar. We can't afford to do that, especially when you're down on confidence, especially when you don't have the personnel or, or the depth to, to, to be mixing with these other guys. Um, you know, when you think about who we've played compared to some of the other teams, or the quality of game that we saw last week against the Tigers in our win, that was an ugly game, man. And if you compare that to the speed and, and, and the brand of football that other games have played at, uh, they're parallels apart. And saying that, though, uh, first time that they've won in Campbelltown since 2007. And the other thing, Monkey, that threw off their back was the last 10 teams that played the Titans, they lost their following match, and the Warriors were able to win. So you've got to take the good with the bad, and when you're playing bad and you still get results, uh, that's something to be um, buoyed about. Yeah, indeed. I've just had a text through on the temper bedpost text machine, mate, from Brendan, saying, uh, can you ask Monty if, if he ever thought about pursuing a league coaching career? Oh, look, I, I think early on, Daniel Anderson thought I was going to be um, a coach, and um, I... I I thought I was going to go down that track, but then I got into boxing, and I love boxing, and I love uh, being able to coach athletes one-on-one. Probably a little bit easier than coaching a team because one-on-one, uh, you've just got that one person you've got to break through. Uh, in a team environment, there's a lot of people you've got to manage and, and be in and around. But um, you know, that's something I did as a captain, which was find out everyone's purpose and individually what made them step up or play better and, and, and how you taught them. So... Um, who knows, you know, maybe later on in life, but um, at the moment it, it, it's pretty easy talking about the game from afar because it's so hard involved, man. Yeah, man, yeah, no, I understand that, I understand that. Hey, we've been talking this morning too about Cameron George's idea that the Warriors next season play their home games at Mount Smart and then the all the other teams play their home games against the Warriors in New Zealand at different centres, you know, move it around, Whangarei, Rotorua, Tauranga, Christchurch, Wellington, mm. Palmy, uh, Dunedin. Well, what are your thoughts on that? Is, is it? Uh, it's a great idea, I think, but is it a practical idea? Uh, well, why not? I, I mean, it's not going to be that hard for the teams from overseas. They're going to extend themselves maybe an extra week where they wouldn't normally. But if you think about the sacrifice and about the Warriors, uh, particularly two years ago, um, if they weren't a part of it, um, that would have mean um, their games. They would have had to pick up a game somewhere else. Otherwise, they lose the TV money. So they can't lose in the back of their mind uh, what the Warriors 
uh, sacrifice um, they did uh, to ensure that this competition went on, and also just just how hard it is, man. Like this will be the like, came up to the third year they haven't played at home. That is unbelievable, man. So it's going to be great when they come back on July third to get the tickets. So um, it's a great idea, and it's good to see someone like Cameron George, um, you know, putting that to the powers that be because that's innovative thinking and it's and it's the way forward. And this game has taken a hit. When you think about identity, you think about the fans that come down and want to be warriors and want to be supporters, uh, they need to see their team playing um, so that this game can still have people that want to play it and and, and still love the Warriors. So they, they, they really do need a sort of a revival in that respect, man. Uh, what's your take on uh, on this weekend then, mate? Give us a prediction for the uh, the, the Warriors-Broncos. Look, I, I really hope that Sean Johnson is back in, um, and, and and I think the one that needs to partner him is going to be Shanae Harris Davida. Um, you know, last week uh, we saw Cody Nikodem only miss one tackle, which was uh, good for him because he has been a problem there in the past. Um, I, I I just think that uh, Shanae Harris Davida is going to be that kid. You know, he, he turned up at fullback uh, firstly; it's not a position there as well, but he went okay. Um, and that's on off the back of a very big preseason and off season and. I just love the way he plays, and uh, I think Isha is going to be better for the run. Uh, they, kick, they kick across field in his own um, 20 metres, probably because he was trying a little bit too hard for his team. And talking to Simon Mannering last night on, on Once a Warrior, when I said to him, I said, uh, what must you do when you're down on confidence, when you think about game management? He, he said exactly that. You know, you've got to defend well. If you defend well, first and foremost, uh, then everything will come off that, and then the confidence will come. But you can't try too hard. And I think that's what we're seeing. We seem like we're very, we're seeing all these other guys try a little bit too hard. Uh, and by doing that, uh, you know, walking around the eggshells and everything else, it, it just becomes a snowball effect, and it makes it really hard. It does indeed. All right, Monts, thanks very much for coming on, giving us some time, mate. Really appreciate it. Keep up the good work with uh, Once a Warrior. Uh, that is, what, every Wednesday night uh, live on, on Sky? Yeah, every Wednesday night, 7.30 on Sky Sport 1. It's also on Sky Sport 4 at 8 o'clock, and there's going to be plenty of replays throughout the week. So get in, and especially this one, Kutama Mannering, uh, what a legend. He, he doesn't say a lot, but uh, I've managed to sort of get a little bit out of him, and he was, he was pretty open and honest. Yeah, he was, mate. It was, it, was, it was a good watch. I really enjoyed that. Go well. Keep up the good work, Monts. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Uh, Monty Beetham there with us uh, talking Warriors. Uh, this is SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith, 17 past 11. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 11.23 here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for Smithy at the moment. Uh, and uh, he is, of course, on World Cup duty. Uh, we're going to go around the world now, look at some of the uh, big stories from sport around the world. And, uh, Logan, I know that you're pretty excited about something coming out of... Um, because you're effectively half Canadian, um, that, 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 that is no, not happening in Canada, but is related to uh, a former uh, Canadian sports team owner. Yeah, that is one thing that anyone that knows me will know that. Know that, that uh, I Not only do I bleed black, I bleed uh, red and white. Uh, do you bleed maple syrup? <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> Delicious. No. Uh, yeah, this caught my eye. The potential of an NBA team making their way to Vegas because former Maple Leaf sports entertainment president Tim Lywick has said his Oakview group will be building a 20,000-seat NBA-ready arena in Vegas. 
He told CNBC that his group has acquired 25 acres of land and will build an arena, hotel, casino, and theater because Vegas needs more, more casinos. casinos. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, he said there's no certainty or guarantee that the NBA is ever coming to Vegas, uh, but should they come, we will be ready. Uh, and previously, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver has said that if the league does decide to expand, Vegas uh, would be on the list. Uh, I mean, we've already seen the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, the Vegas Raiders with the NFL, so, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Now, it's expansion, you think, rather than another franchise moving? Yeah, I know you raised this question to me before, uh, and then you sort of tried to, I don't know, you tried to wind me up and said that the Raptors <laughs> might move to Vegas, which would come hell higher water. That would never, ever happen. No, I think the NBA would potentially look to expand. Uh, I mean, the talent pool around the world for basketball is is massive so there's definitely the room there for another team yeah alright well they probably have to add another two wouldn't they one for each conference uh, yeah I mean things up. yeah you'd like to have even uh, conferences that's that's for sure uh, another thing on the NBA circles of course uh, relationships with China got a little sour mm. recently uh, but Things may be looking on the up. Chinese state broadcaster CCTV uh, aired an NBA game for the first time in 18 months yesterday, raising hopes that that relationship was on the mend after a 2019 rift where Rockets general manager Daryl Morey uh, tweeted in support of the protests in Hong Kong. That tweet was quickly deleted but uh, drew very strong criticism from China and they stopped showing the game. So... Maybe some wounds do heal. Yeah, oh, they talk about sport washing. Right there, right there. Uh, sport washing indeed. Of course, uh, China recently stopped showing uh, Premier League, English Premier League games because uh, before the games they were protesting, or well, not protesting, but showing solidarity and support for the Ukraine. And so they, due to that, they stopped showing the Premier League games because China are allies with Russia. Imagine having a moral compass. I know, I know exactly. Well, I mean, it's, I know that we're a sports show, but that is something that it has. I have one because the Chinese have wanted to take Taiwan back for some time. I wondered if they thought, let's just see how Vlad goes with the Ukraine, and if that works out for him and no one does anything, uh, we could do this. Uh, but anyway, that's a, that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, something else that's happened uh, recently, and something that, to be honest. It, I was surprised by, but surprised in a good way, is uh, because we've seen so little action on things uh, in this sphere for a long time, is that a teenager in Britain has been jailed for six weeks after racially abusing Marcus Rashford um, on Twitter. Now, this happened during the Euro Championship final last year when Rashford missed a penalty in the shootout in the final against the Italians. Uh, Justin Lee Price from Worcester, had previously admitted to sending a grossly offensive message by public communication network. He tried to avoid detection by changing his Twitter username. Obviously, he doesn't quite understand that how that works. Work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, he has been charged by police, and then he was sentenced. So, yes, yeah, six weeks in jail. Might not seem a lot off the top, but six weeks in jail at 19... Uh, certainly, hopefully, that makes a few people think before they start keyboard worrying it and, and calling people names. Yeah, that could be quite the deterrent there. One last thing for around the world. Uh, if you're a baseball fan, this isn't pertaining to New Zealand, but potentially maybe in the future in Australia as well. Uh, LA won't be the only city hosting a home run derby this year. MLB has announced the launch of the Home Run Derby X, which will be a global baseball tour, uh, which will be making stops in London, Seoul and Mexico City. 
City featuring former stars Adrian Gonzalez, Joni Gomez, Giovanni Soto and Nick Swisher. The competition will take place on a reduced version of a baseball field with a home plate mounted on a stage and a pitcher's mound on a podium with a field of play designed to fit within a range of environments from festival sites to stadiums. So I could imagine something like that happening, I mean, somewhere in New Zealand, Auckland, Wellington, wherever, Christchurch. If you want to, if you want to build the game globally, I would love to see the idea of this home run derby X coming down under. It's interesting from from that point of view that they've invested so much in this because as somebody who doesn't strictly follow baseball super closely, I, I am a fan and I will sit down and I'll watch a game. But I like you know all star games and the home run derby, and I watched them before and got bored with them really quickly. I would rather watch a regular season game than watch a home run derby, for example. It just reminds me of uh, there's that classic Simpsons episode where Mark McGuire is on there and he's like, "Who wants to see me hit some dingers, 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 dingers?" <laughs> yeah, people want to see like these guys smacking the crap out of a ball. Uh, uh, yeah, like I said, I would love to see this happen. Big baseball fan, and you know Auckland Tuatara definitely miss him. Can't wait to have him back at some point soon. So the more baseball we have around here, the better. All right, okay, that's your take on it. Are you, what are your thoughts on that? Would you go and see a home run derby X with a bunch of X M uh, Major League Baseball players smashing the ball out of the park? Uh, hit us on double eight double three double eight double three. That is the temper bed post text machine line uh, coming up. Of course, it is your turn, your chance to play Stumped by Ricardo. Uh, we jackpotted it yesterday, didn't we, Logan? $100 TAB bonus bets up for grabs, plus some sleep drops as well. So if you want to get in on that, give us a call now. 0800 150 811. 0800-150-811 is the number. Your chance to play Stumped by Ricardo right now here on SENZ. It is time for News and Sport with Araha Hathaway. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yeah, just after 11.30 news, there is time for Stumped. And I think Ricardo seems to be still on cloud nine after yesterday's stumping. Did you go home after the, uh, the show and tell your family all about it? <laughs> uh, no, I went and, I went and uh, did boxing training for an hour instead. Oh, yeah, so yeah. Took I forgot about it out until on you the punching bag. Yeah, well, yeah, I just I forgot about it until you mentioned it just now, to be fair. Well, <laughs> because of that, because of your stumping, uh, yeah. the prizes have jackpotted today. Uh, up for grabs is $100 worth of TAB bonus bets, plus some sleep drops at Daytime Revive. They are New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. Joining us now at the crease is Jason from Dunedin. Come in, mate. Jason from Auckland. Auckland, what did I say? Dunedin. Dunedin, jeez. Sorry, mate, off to a bad start there. Auckland, how you doing, bro? Yeah, good, good. Real good. All right, mate. All right, we're going to get on track here now. So for any new listeners, uh, this is how the game works. We have three sporting categories to choose from today. Answer all three questions correctly and you win it all. But if you get a question wrong, it's over to Rick Dog for a chance to knock your bales off. Get out in the first two questions and it's on to the next caller in line. Get dismissed on that final question, and we will jackpot again tomorrow. Can you imagine that? Today's topics for you, Jason, are the America's Cup, golf, and ice hockey. Take your pick. Uh, look, let's go golf. All right, better golf. Here we go. Do you play? Do you have a handicap? Uh I wouldn't use the term play very, very well, but <laughs> I mean, I, I, I had a couple of balls every now and again. 
Yeah, mate, that's like me and uh, going play a bit of mini golf. Eh? That's uh, that's where I go for my golf. All right, first question for you. Bit of a Tiger Woods special here with the golf, uh, with speculation swirling around that Tiger Woods may make a return to the Masters. We're going to dedicate them to him. First up, from 1999 to 2013, Tiger Woods lent his name and image to a popular video game series. What is the name of that video game? Tiger Woods Golf. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. That is, it is close. It's close, but not no cigar there. Well, it's yeah, it's interesting because I would have said the same. Um, I'm not a big video game player, but that does ring a bell. Uh, so if it's not that, but it's close, I'm going to say Tiger Woods PGA Championship. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Man, where are my gamers at? Where not are here. my gamers at? Okay, well. <laughs> The correct answer is Tiger Woods PGA Tour. Oh, jeez. So I put championship instead of tour and I'll get it wrong. Jeez. I mean, it's not called the PGA. Yeah, it's called the tour, mate. It's the tour. All right, you're still you're still alive here, Jason. How many times has Tiger Woods been named the PGA Tour's Player of the Year? How many times? Uh, player of the Year, 11. That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. Was that a guess, Jason? That's a very real guess. <laughs> I love that, bro. I love it. Uh, yeah, 2013 was the most recent time. Uh, before we get to the uh, the last question here, Ricardo, mm-hmm. would you have that one in the bag, or was that a guess for you too? No, that would have been a guess for me too. I would have gone double figures. I don't know if, uh, if I would have got it right, though. I, probably, I was thinking 13, so... Okay, yeah. all right. Well, Jason... You could win $100 TAB bonus bets here, plus the sleep drops. Tiger won his first major in 1997. Which tournament was it? That was the Masters. Bang. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Oh. Right in the slot, and away it goes. Love that, Jason. Love that. Huge confidence from you, mate. Yeah, of course, it was the Masters. Uh, it finished 18 under, 12 strokes ahead of the runner-up, Tom Kite. Uh, margin of victory there as of 2021, still the largest in the tournament's history. So, looks like you know a little bit about golf there, Jason. Congratulations, mate. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, foxing us a bit there, mate. Foxing us a bit. Uh, you got $100 <laughs> worth of TAB bets. Uh, are you eyeing anything this weekend? Uh, look, I'll have a bit of a closer look now. The TAB account's on zero at the moment. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck, mate. Good luck, and uh, thanks for playing. And uh, hopefully uh, awesome. uh, that, that weekend punting uh, fills the beer fridge for you. Yes. Yeah, how good, bro. Hold the line, mate, and uh, Brian will get you details. Yeah, there you go. That has been uh, stumped uh, by Ricardo, but uh, no stumping. I didn't even get an opportunity to stump anybody. Well, I did, the first question, but and I was very close. Very close. You are a stickler. Logan, for getting it exactly 110% right, aren't you? Look, answer. I don't recall ever playing Tiger Woods PGA Championship. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. PGA Tour, PGA Championship. This is the same man, folks, who uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, when asked the question about where do the Tuatara play their first season of home games, I gave directions to the ground 
It said it was McLeod Road in Teatatu, across the road from the Croatian Cultural Society, and said it was at McLeod Park, and I got it, I got told, no, it's wrong, because it's McLeod Reserve. That's how much of a stickler I he is. love that you brought that back up. And yeah. upon further review, I have actually reflected on this, and I felt like I should have given it to you, because it was pretty close. And like you said, you gave the directions. Uh, we had one person text in on the Temper Bedpost text machine that, uh, you gave such good directions, they've never been to Auckland and they would have found the park. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, so there you go. But another chance tomorrow to uh, win a $50 TAB bonus, betting some sleep drops with uh, Stumped by Smithy. If Smithy's back, uh, that that is in the air at the moment because uh, ironically, he's not, in the air. he's not in the air and no, neither is anything coming out of Wellington due to fog. So we will see on that front. We will see on that front. But uh, keep your texts coming in on the Temper Bedpost text machine, double eight double three around uh, the Warriors and what you think of the idea of them playing all their home games next season at Mount Smart and then all the other teams coming to New Zealand to play the Warriors at different centres around the country. We had a few texts through uh, already. Uh, the Warriors need to get back to playing normal season games with lower grade teams playing as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they've got that right the way they've uh, uh, they axed their their feeder team. But uh, we'll, 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 we'll I wait to be proved wrong on that, and I don't think I'm going to be. Um, somebody else has said the Warriors already disappoint us all on the TV. We don't really need them disappointing us all on home soil more often. Uh, harsh, but probably fair. No name attached to that one as well. And Pete, actually, this is an interesting point and maybe something we can do some homework on. Peter's text through saying, what sort of crowds do the Warriors pull in Australia? Might be more lucrative for them to come to New Zealand. Uh, a lot of passionate supporters. Uh, so, I mean, that is true. I mean, how many people do you know who are league fans who uh, the Warriors are their second team? Because, you know, before we had the Warriors, most Kiwis who were league fans had a team. Like, you know, Beavers are a big Panthers fan. So he's a Panthers fan first and foremost. He wants the Warriors to do well, but he's a Panthers fan. I'm an Eels fan. Same sort of deal, you know. So um, I, I think uh, we have seen in the past NRL clubs have home games in New Zealand because they think they'll get a better crowd in New Zealand playing them than uh, if they played them at home. Yeah, maybe. I mean, on the uh, second team front, I mean, I sort of came into rugby league right when the Warriors did launch up. So, I mean, I knew about Manly, I knew about Newcastle, but at the tender age that I was, I didn't know too much about rugby league outside of that. But I'd love to see the North Sydney Bears come back because that that was my hood when I was living in Sydney, North Sydney. You've got some great memories about the North Sydney Bears. They were a great team. They had some fantastic players on their roster. Yeah, and it's a lovely little stadium uh, there as well. Uh, But on Pete's point, yeah, I mean, I guess we will see, uh, especially this weekend, right? Mm, yeah, exactly. We'll see, see see how that goes, see what happens. So, but, yeah, going back, some of those players that played for North Sydney, I mean, Mark Graham obviously played there, also in Philippine, a lot of Kiwis. Uh, that's where Daryl Halligan started his league career. So North Sydney, I remember Greg Florimo um, as well. Uh, what was his name? Played for Queensland. It was an absolute nut job, loose forward, Billy... Billy uh, had a, a weird-shaped head, I think, just from being knocked around too much, or it might be because he was from Queensland, I'm not too sure. But uh, there was uh, – yeah, uh, and Greg Larson as well was the other second row. Uh, yeah, some fantastic players out of North Sydney uh, and that Bears team. I mean, they, 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 they went real well for a, for a long period of time. Jason Taylor, I think, started his career there as well, who uh, then went on and played uh, for, for Australia as well. Yeah. Are you thinking of Billy Moore? Yeah, Billy Moore. That's the bloke. That's the bloke. I'm trying to remember. He does have a weird shaped head, doesn't he? 
Uh, I mean, maybe a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that frontal cranial thing. I think that's what it is mainly. Uh, but there we go. Uh, your thoughts on the Warriors? Keep them coming through on the Temper Beard Post text machine double eight double three double eight double three. This is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's the Great Greyhound Racing New Zealand Charity Run. Now, this week's Greyhound pick uh, to raise funds for the Women's Refuge is racing tonight at Addington. Uh, it is race nine, uh, which starts at uh, 6.44 exactly, and uh, we are backing uh, number eight, Thrilling Millie, uh, trained by Callum Weir, uh, Two wins and a second in the last three starts, paying four fifty and a dollar sixty-five. So see if we can uh, bank that one as uh, a go with Gold Star Butters that won last week. Actually, we we backed that last week and it returned two hundred and ten dollars. So uh, that is uh, going real good uh, with our. Uh, raising funds on the charity run for the Women's Refuge. Now, if you are a Greyhounds fan, uh, you should tune in every Sunday here on SENZ for Greyhound New Zealand's Dog Speed Show, hosted by Greyhound experts Mark Rosanowski and Andy McCook. Don't miss a beat with Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed. It's tips, it's interviews with trainers, uh, and uh, you know, it just gives you an insight into the sport. Uh, if it's something you're interested in, uh, how to get into, then uh, they'll answer all those questions for you. Midday, uh, sorry, eleven till midday every Sunday. Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed Show. It is twelve away from midday here on SENZ. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato, and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Maccas, together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.